football. It was on your televisions. It was on your televisions. You can't deny it. There was Lions football. It's back, baby. It's good again. Maybe. I don't know. Is it good? Who knows? That's why you're here to listen to us on the Pride of Detroit. P-O-D-Cast. P-O-D stands for Pride of Detroit. First three letters of the pod, of the word podcast is what we call our podcast. We do this every week, and it still seems awkward because I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. My man here, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, he's back. He's ready to just dig through way too many notes. Yeah, no no victory Monday music today. Lions lost. So sad. In a, in a preseason game. Hooray. This means the season's over, right? Yep. Doom we lost. and gloom. Go home. Go home. We got Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm wonderful. I can't wait to get to the Wayback Machine. Oh, yeah. Last last Wayback Machine this this week. We took an argument whether we were, we were going to finish up Wayback Machine or ListCast. And I think Wayback Machine won. And uh, Ryan is really hyped up to do three games in one go. It's going to be easy. I can sum it up in two words. Yeah. Find out what those words are. But we have another guest. Last week, we had Hamza on. He was He's one of the new writers at Pride to Detroit. Now we have on Mansoor Shaheen who actually we've had on the POD cast before, I believe, over the summer. And now we've just, we liked him so much, we decided to bring him on full-time. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, yes. I was so great the first time I got hired. So that's nice. Yep, <laughs> no, you just blew us away. Wow, we were like, wow, look at this like extra-level podcasting skills. He's got <laughs> podcast nunchakus. I, I went from a mailbag troll to guest to writer. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Climb the ladder. That is climbing the ladder. That is that is absolutely climbing the ladder of of a va- of a vaguely fringe podcast environment. Josh Lafon, take notes. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll stop being an enemy of the show. Zack Snyder, the new enemy of the sh- the show from uh, Detroit Jock City. I can't remember why I made him the enemy of the show, but he made that to- crack about Nickelback doing the halftime show. I think. No, no, he was doing like it was. He wanted to do like Kid Rock and oh, right. uh, I think Eminem to do a cover of Africa. Yeah, no. If Kid Rock touches that song, we're we're abandoning ship. We're abandoning everything. We're, gonna what we're to not like abandoning. What we're not fine. abandoning. Oh, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Nope, it wasn't worth the joke. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, I just saved you from someone getting mad at you. Apparently. What we're not abandoning is going to Oakland and talking about the 16 to 10 loss, if you can call it that, in the preseason to the Oakland Raiders as everyone sits around and gets really excited for John Gruden, who, from my viewing experiences, basically sat on the sidelines the entire time and just started mouthing obscenities every time a flag went against Oakland. Yeah, it was it was a pretty sloppy game, I think, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, we're going to get into the line side more so than anything else, and it wasn't necessarily a great game. But, I mean, maybe it's just that that game was at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, and every flag and every review just felt like it took forever. But John Gruden wasn't happy. I wasn't particularly happy. I doubt Matt Patricia was very happy. It was just kind of a a bummer of an opening game, even though it doesn't mean anything. The game, the game had trouble getting started. That's right, with the with the clock issues. So not only was it ten thirty Eastern time, but the stadium clock couldn't get its stuff together. So it was just like 
so ready for football. And to be honest, I barely made it out of the third quarter. <laughs> Don't have that problem out here. It wasn't a perfect time for me. I checked out at halftime. That game was, yeah, too late. I, I think that's the right call, though, for, for all preseasons is check out around halftime. There's rarely some, unless, and I mean, granted, for us, hopefully we've got at least one person who watched the second half because we're supposed to be, you know, experts on this roster. But the, nor- the nominal fan, you can, check, you can check out after halftime. Stafford was suited up but didn't play. I think that was to be expected. And uh, most of the first team, I believe, did not play. So this gave us a chance to look down the list. And I think next segment we'll play impress, depress. But just let's let's get the notebooks straightened out. Like, what do we have as far as notebooks about this game or about certain players that you want to talk about? Well, I guess let's start with what the people were most excited for, looking the closest to And obviously... Say the words. Establish. Yes. Yes. Running game. Yes. The Lions did. You know what? I'm proclaiming it. The Lions established the running game. They are one for one in establishing the running game. The running backs averaged all all of them, aside from Zach Center, who barely counts as a running back these days anyways. Oh, hey. (laughs) Averaged over four yards a carry. Or Abdullah averaged exactly four yards a carry. But they have to be like, if you're the optimistic Lions fan, that is what you're coming out of this game talking about is, is the running game. Right, Aaron Johnson looked good. Amir Abdullah looked a lot better than we have seen him play in a while. Legarrette Blount was kind of so-so, but the Lions were able to run the ball for a lot of this game. The only downside I would say is that when the first string offensive line was in the game, which was not for very long, they couldn't run the ball that well. But they also mostly had Legarrette Blount in there, not not Amir Abdullah and Carrion Johnson. So we'll see. Well, they they also had bad job Joe Dahl in too instead of PJ Lang. <laughs> that is and, true. Uh, TJ we're, didn't we're play in this game. I think we're going to play this in impress depress, but Joe Dahl did not look good last night. Really Ooh. brutal. And it's brutal. it's disappointing because he's I mean he's basically been that first guy off the bench all training camp. Him or, or Wesley Johnson and I talked about it in the Facebook Live preview show. Like he was one of the guys I was going to be watching, and I didn't have to look very hard because he was usually turned around trying to chase the guy that had just run by him. So yeah, Joe Dahl is definitely going to fall on the depressed list of, of what happened last night, but for the rest of the offensive line, Taylor Decker only played three or four snaps. We don't really know if that was an injury thing or if that was just kind of easing him back or whatever. The rest of the offensive line, I think played one or two series. So, uh, so far fine. I thought pass protection was especially good for that first string unit um, run, run blocking. So, so, but after after they stepped out of the game, we we saw the running backs do their thing, and that was exciting. My my only note to to follow up with you there, Jeremy, is uh, once again our old friend Evan at Big Slick McDick back on Twitter. Finally, thank God, he sent out a tweet last night. Me when the defense is bad, it's preseason. This doesn't mean anything. Me when the run game is good, this is real and actually fixed now. <laughs> so good to have you back, Evan. We missed you, Mister McDick. Uh, let's give it room to our new guy, Mansoor. What do you, what do you think about uh, what's what's kind of your biggest takeaway from the first glimpse of real Lions preseason action? So the offense only had one touchdown drive, but I feel like they looked fine. Like our quarterbacks were bad, but those are our backup quarterbacks. But I feel like we shouldn't be as low on our offense as a lot of people are um, exiting that game. Uh, our running backs, all three of them that are actually going to like play this season looked 
really good, as Jeremy mentioned. Offensive line, they had trouble with the run. Pretty good with the pa- pretty good protecting the pass. Our wide receivers, none of them really played much, so I can't really say much about them. Our tight ends were worrying though. None of them. I think Hakeem Valls, is that how you say it? He Valls, had a yeah. Valls, He had a decent game, but Mike Roberts was bad. Luke Wilson only played like probably ten snaps or something. Tight end is the weakest position on offense, and it could be a worry this season. But overall, our offense looked fine for like having the worst quarterbacks possible running it. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think of some of these other guys who are kind of maybe lower on? Because it was basically a showcase of guys who were trying to figure out on the receiving. I think Brandon Powell led the day by like a yard, and then Carry on John, Carry on Johnson. I'm looking here had 33 yards. Like there wasn't too many guys who really stood out among like like Kenny Galladay, but did not have a he, he couldn't catch anything last night. And Jace Billingsley, I mean, he caught two receptions, but they're both very short. So. These are kind of the names that people are really excited about as far as like young wide receivers. And I'm kind of curious what you guys thought about their performances last night. I don't think anyone who we don't expect to make the roster earned a roster spot on offense that night. Like none of them were really impressive. And it's, I mean, it's hard, right? Because the quarterbacks were so bad and like we, I personally expected Tia Redding to show up and he caught one pass for eight yards but when you have a quarterback like Jake Rudock, who just didn't look like he knew what the hell he was doing back there, kind of resorted to his – he looked a lot like his first-year self, where he's not throwing the ball downfield, he's panicking at the slightest hint of pressure, and he just looks out of it. He doesn't look like a professional quarterback. And so when that's happening, how are you really supposed to give an honest assessment of the wide receivers? Right. I can't. Yeah. And it's not like Matt Castle did any better. He actually had a lower passing rating than Jake Rudock in this game. Yeah, he he was not good either. And four sacks between them. I I mean, I honestly didn't think pass protection was that bad all game. It certainly wasn't bad enough where they should have been sacked four times. So I'm, I think I'd put at least one or two of those sacks on the quarterback. And yeah, there yeah. was that one play I remember. Like uh, this was one of these Joe Dahl plays where he was just collapsing and Matt Castle kind of stepped up directly into right into the waiting hands of a, of an Oakland Raider. Yeah. I, I think I think I think what's pretty telling about the receiving stats though for the Lions is that a lot of these guys are um short yardage players, or I mean like even you said like Brandon Powell, that's a guy who played running back but then is converted to receiver. Carry on Johnson, the other top leading receiver running back. Um I mean we've seen flashes of it the past few seasons between Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah. It might be a good trend for the offense. Sure. Um, it, but I, I think it kind of go, just goes to the point that the the quarterbacks didn't necessarily, they played it very conservatively. I don't think either of those guys, I mean, they didn't throw a pick. Um, like we mentioned, uh, three sacks for Matt Castle, a, a sack for Jake Rudock. I don't think either of those guys necessarily maybe wanted to take a, take a risk and throw an interception. Um, something that may be perceived as maybe a bad read or a bad throw. And then all of a sudden that knocks him down a peg. So, um, the offense I thought was very conservative and I, I think it will be that way going forward um, for the rest of the preseason. Uh, obviously it'll, it'll open up once, once we get an actual professional quarterback under center. Um, I Matthew Stafford just shouldn't play all preseason. That's my hot take. You don't want him to play even in the third preseason game. Uh, no. After what happened to, uh, <laughs> to I'm not going to say his name right to uh, Guise. Guise. 
guys yeah after what happened to guys i think everyone's in full panic bubble wrap mode for all of their favorite players i guess it's not it's not even so much that like i i i understand like the reactionary element of it but at the same time having to watch jake rudock and matt castle run this offense there's nobody who's stepping through that door in in the tragic and horrendous case that matthew stafford isn't able to play quarterback so like the tino game happening out here Dude, that's yeah that's where i'm at like i just don't i don't want to have to go through a season and i mean i know it's football is all flukes and and everything like that but like let's just not let the fluke happen during the preseason the one thing i'll say is if the starting five offensive line isn't out there i don't want i don't want him out there at all i don't i don't want joe doll in the game with with matthew stafford also in the game so absolutely we don't know what's going on with, with taylor decker if either of those guys are out don't put Matthew Stafford out there for even a single snap. All right. Well, one note there before I move on to the defense to play Ryan's game, Sean Hill ain't walking through that door. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the defense because we talked enough about the offense. Mansoor, this was, I think most people, if there were downers on this first performance, it came from the performance of the defense. What did you take away? So um, our defensive line has no idea what they're doing. Um, <laughs> Sylvester Williams wasn't a signing I liked like at all, and he kind of showed why that night. I know it's I know it's just preseason, so you can probably write off bad performances from Williams and uh, Ashawn Robinson, but these are concerns that they've had their entire careers. Neither of them can really pass penetrate, and they're supposed to be run stuffers, but neither of them have ever really been great run stuffers. And we saw it. They were getting just manhandled by the Raiders' like second offensive line unit. And usually, like a second offensive line unit versus a second defensive line unit, the defensive line unit should have a huge advantage. And our first defensive line unit was getting manhandled by the Raiders' like second offensive line unit. It was ridiculous. Our edge rushers, they weren't very good either. But Ansa wasn't around. Hyder's coming off an Achilles tear. Alex Barrett, I mean, he's he's going to be a like rotational bottom roster guy anyways. So I'm not going to like really bash on them, but Williams and Robinson were both absolutely terrible. And it's, I feel like that's something I might carry into the season because they've been bad for a long time. Both of them. Sad to hear that about my large adult son. I'm, I'm in full agreement though. That's, that's to me like the biggest negative takeaway from this game is those two specifically, because I mean, you, you can say all you want about the preseason, but, this isn't like a schematic issue. This isn't them playing vanilla defense. This is them not winning their one-on-one matchups. And, and like Mansoor said, this is against mostly number two guys as they got into the second. And I think they may even played a little into the third quarter. So oh man, that, that drive that Connor Cook had against this defense was just brutal to watch. Yeah. And you can say all you want about maybe this, is, this is just them being a, you know, uh, a Ben don't break defense. I, I don't buy that. I know they only gave up 16 points and one touchdown. Yeah, Ben on, don't on break Friday it. Night, but that's... Ben don't break against Connor Cook. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm running out of hope very quickly for Ashawn Robinson, and it isn't just because of this game. It's because of his two years and then coming back in this third year and immediately laying an egg. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with Mansoor. I'm I'm concerned. This, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying the sky is falling yet. Obviously, it's a preseason game, but not a good start for this defensive front. Um, maybe it gets better when Ziggy's in there. Maybe it gets better when Ricky Jean's in there. But um, I'm not hope. I'm not hopeless, but I'm not hopeful right now. 
Ryan, you get the last word before we go to break. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of lulled ourselves into this understanding that like the defensive interior and Patricia's scheme, it's like, oh, they're just like, you know, they're just gap managers, like maintain your gap and then we'll let the linebackers take care of everything. And it was like, you know what? Our front seven really wasn't that good last year. They didn't make a whole lot of changes. Monster rings up, you know, the Sylvester Williams thing, which seemed like a nice idea. But then, you know, the Raiders game was just evidence and served proof to the idea that like well if those guys aren't maintaining their gaps how much harder it gets for a linebacking core that was really bad last year it gets even harder and it gets even more difficult like i don't want to hit the panic button um but my hand is hovering over it and there's another button that's next to it that says jonathan hankins and like why not (laughs) like why not like figure out a way to make it happen because like that unit needs help like bad it's really bad. bad. This front seven is like going into the season. I think I think we knew for a while, but it was kind of galling to see it on display last night, just how bad it's been. And we, we've known about this because for whatever reason, this front office has refused to put resources into it. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it in impress depress, but uh, I mean, there, there, there was, I think, one bright shining spot, albeit pretty fleeting. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's good take tease. a break. Yeah, good tease, good tease. Let's uh, take a break here. When we come back, we're going to play Impress Depress, which is a favorite game of ours that we have not played in a very long time, and we're getting into it. And then we're going to close out Wayback Machine for the 2017 season. It took us a long time, but we're just we're, we're killing it right now before we have to start talking about more preseason. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closer All the stars are closer Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Impress, depress. Da, 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 da. There. Now we have, we have, now we have a theme song. Now we have a theme song. A long returning impress, depress, where we tell you who has impressed us and who has depressed us. Mental health is not a joke, but guess what? We're just, it's, it's how we name it. I don't know. You've already impressed me. I, I, 
Fit I want someone to put like a little piano to the back of that and just that'll be our new theme for Impress Deepest. <laughs> Maybe if I ever did production for the show, more production or something. All right. Now that preseason is back, we play Impress Depress, which is basically our stock report. Who's up, who's down or whatever. Only in this case, our decisions are far more ephemeral. And I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm glad we kind of stuck with schemes in the last segment because I am of the belief that all these guys, like, I think the I think the final roster is already set in stone, to be honest, except for like maybe one or two cases. But I've I've been arguing with people up and down about it. They disagree. So my my belief in preseason is very is very limited. That said, I do have someone who impressed me and someone who depressed me. Well, hit us. Do you want to do that, or do you want to go around the room first? Well, okay, we we can we can hold that off for tease. Do you want to go? Here, I mean, my, just, uh, you know what? I'll just do it. I'll just do okay. it. I'll say I am impressed by John Gruden, who is going to have a hell of a year on the sidelines. Every time they cut to him after the Raiders get a flag thrown at thrown against them, he is just going to be mouthing obscenities, and it's going to rule. And I'm I'm making a drinking game right now based on it. He's going to have so much fun in the modern NFL. Depressed is Chris Spielman, who, uh, how many times did he call Derek Carr David Carr? One too many times. I don't yeah. think he called him Derek Carr. I think he <laughs> called him David Carr. <laughs> That's I, I of, mean, yeah. Hmm. I'm just, I know there's a, a big amount of, of Lions contingent that's in Chris Spielman's side because he's a homer. He's a homer and he brings a lot of energy to the booth, which it can be a good thing if you're saying the right things, but I don't think he's saying the right things. And he didn't see a hold on carry on Johnson's long run. I absolutely did. Maybe I'm, being, did. I'm blind. Like he hooked his left shoulder or his right shoulder with his left hand pretty good and turned him. And so I don't know. I just, I don't feel needs to take a chill pill because he's, He's just like, he's too emotional about the game and not enough analysis. I like that. Analysis. I like aggro. I like aggro. I do want to ask this, though. I don't know if this is in the mailbag. Do you like, I think we talked about this before. Like, do you guys want kind of what baseball, basketball, hockey have where you got like home team broadcasters? Or do you like this weird system where Fox just sends whatever team they deign to send each week? If I don't like I'm in it. Into it. <laughs> I don't like home team broadcasters. They're always way too biased. And even when it's like the team I'm rooting for, it's just annoying. Fair mm. enough. All right, no. let's actually get on to the reg- to the wait, actual wait, imprint. Wait, what? Who, who is saying no to a Dan Miller, Dan Orlovsky booth? I'm talking about the idea in general, not like specific people. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot like, of people outside. That- Hold up! Isn't what are you doing here? You, you are you are shitting on. Hold up! You you turned around and started shitting on Chris Spielman. Said he's for Homer people. Now all of a sudden you're out here defending Dan Orlovsky. You know what Dan Orlovsky's stock is to anyone outside of the state of Michigan? Here, it's it's bigger than you think. And first of all, no, it's my, not. My main complaint with hell Chris no, it's is not is emotion over analysis. Dan Orlovsky will give you actual analysis. <sighs> I can't deal with him. We've hit that point in the podcast where I just can't deal with Jeremy. So we're going to move on to Ryan. Means to you can't first... refute me. No, it just means that you are just speaking bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> we move on to we move on to Ryan. Who impressed you in this game, Ryan? All right, my impress that I teased at the end of last segment uh, was Mr. Devin Kennard, the Lions' uh, 
I guess you can consider him their big free agency splash of, of this off season. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't very high on Kennard. Um, I haven't been very high on him all off season. I know a lot of people saw him just because of the numbers that he signed for. And he was one of the first of free agents that signed. Um, people were really excited about him. It, it was hard for me to get excited about him, even after uh, looking over Monsur's, uh player spotlight of him that he did over at Lions Wire. Um, he, he he just seems like a guy who, when they use him as a pass rusher, he'd be effective at times, but then he'd be so completely ineffective at other times. I knew that the Lions needed a guy who brought consistency, and it just didn't seem like he was that guy to do it. Now, uh, I know I'm not going to, you know, go off the rails about a guy who played, you know, what I think like 12 snaps. 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he did a pretty good job of, you know, getting some pressure um, on Derek Carr. He actually even, um, he, uh, he was the one who was responsible for that, that duck that Carr threw that Quinn almost intercepted um actually got his hand in on it him and Zettel brought some pressure now that that gives me something to be excited about um I know it's limited small sample size but Devin Kennard was is somebody who impressed me especially for a guy who spent some time on the NFI list and who depressed you who depressed me Jeremy don't, Jeremy don't slap stuff uh the 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 player that depressed me the most um it's kind of a bummer because I like the, the only training camp that I've been to Tyrell Crosby, like really had me excited. Um, even though it was like, make one really good play and then kind of take a step back. He like, he like copied that trend into his first game. I totally think that he's a guard playing in a tackles world right now where he's at. Um, I think that he's going to be much better suited to play, um, to play guard than he is playing tackle. But I think we just saw a lot of that in the, in the Raiders game. Um, he was the one who was responsible for the, the holding penalty that brought back the huge uh, carry on Johnson run. Um, I, I, I just, I, I wasn't overly impressed. So I guess he's the player who, who depressed me the most because I know that you guys have some defensive players you want to talk about that are way more depressing, but yeah, Terrell Crosby. Don't we all. All right, Jeremy, you get to speak again. Who impressed and who depressed you? Let's let's go to the defense, but let's go with someone who impressed me, and that's uh, fourth-round pick, Deshaun Hand. Um, he had two key run stops um, when lines were desperate for some. If I think part of the reason he impressed me so much is because after the play of Ashawn Robinson and Sylvester Williams, I was just desperate to see anyone in the middle of the field that could do something. And Deshaun Hand looked pretty damn good there in the second half. Uh, I think he finished with, I want to say, three or four tackles total. And two of those were run stops, one on a third and one, um, one a little bit later. Uh, but for a team that is in desperate need of, like, a big guy in the middle who can clog some space, Deshaun Hand looks like, you know, if he can kind of continue this uh, this wave, of, let's just say it, momentum in the preseason, uh, I think there's a good chance that he could be basically the third guy off the bench there at defensive tackle, probably not going to be a starter this year unless something goes wrong in terms of uh, injuries and things like that. But um, when, when I was in desperate need of some optimism, Deshaun hand came in there with his three tackles, two of them solo and, uh, and gave me a little optimism for, for the future of the defensive line. 
All right. Did you get to uh, sorry, uh, who depressed you then? Depressed. Let's let's go back to the uh, to the defensive line again because I don't know. I we we can talk about some pressures coming from uh, Devon Kennard and Anthony Zettel played okay, but I was hoping for a little more out of Kerry Hyder. Um, it, it seems unfair to him since he's coming off of obviously the Achilles injury and only played 14 snaps in this game. But again, I think it's, it's part of my desperation of, of wanting to see a good pass rusher on this team and carry Hyder just didn't really do much of anything in this game. Um, not necessarily a big surprise. So maybe disappointment isn't the, the right word for it, but uh, just someone I wanted to see break out. I was probably just putting a little too many, my hopes into him, but I just, I'm hoping we can uh, eventually see the carry hider that we saw a couple of years ago. All right, Mansoor, you're up, you're up next. You get to take home impress depress. What'd you think? So for impress, I have Amir Abdullah. Um, obviously he was on the roster bubble entering training camp. He's a guy that some people see as being on the outside looking in. I think he kind of quelled all concerns. Like, I think he locked up his roster spot. He was the star of the Lions' only drive that ended in touchdown and really their only impressive drive on offense. His, on paper, he had four carries for 16 yards, but I think he had two carries that were, like, pretty decent called back for penalties. Yep. I think he also, he had a reception for seven yards and he had the rushing touchdown. He was a pretty bad punt returner when he was in, but the fact that he's getting some reps at punt return in general probably speaks well to how he's to um, his state on the roster right now. I think he locked up a roster spot. I think he showed enough and he yeah, really impressed me. I'm happy for him. I think he was also the, the team's first kick returner. He just, uh, he didn't take any out of the end zone on Friday, but yeah, I think that's a, that's an important point to make. The The only question to me, and, and maybe I'll throw this to everybody is, do you think it's an audition? Do you think he's on the market? Hmm. Possibly. I, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know if he can be. And I know that the the thing about Twitter that frustrated frustrated me the most um, on on Friday night was hearing all of the Amir Abdullah truthers come out because we were Amir Abdullah truthing before it was cool. Um. But we were looking at the Zapruder film while you were just talking on 4chan. Yeah. I, you know, you know how much time I've spent on Twitter trying to convince people that Amir Abdullah is not injury prone and that Back he's not into the left. F- fumble prone. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I think at this point, the Lions just, he's, he has to be their fourth running back, right? I mean, if you're making a depth chart today, absolutely. Like I, I'm with Munzer completely. I think, I think he's got a roster spot locked up if the Lions want him. And I'm I'm not so sure that he's not on the trade block because I do think he has a lot of talent and there's going to be a lot of carries that the Lions just aren't going to have for him. I mean, Theo Riddick didn't play in this game. So if he had played in this game, I don't know if we would have even seen Amir Abdul much. We certainly would have seen him until the second half. I think one aspect, sorry, people kind of forget about Abdullah is that he can really um, take some carries away from carry on Johnson this season. And for a rookie who's definitely not going to be at his best in his rookie year. And for someone who, might have durability concerns having abdullah who plays a similar role to johnson in the offense or can play a similar role to johnson in the offense on the roster to kind of uh take the workload off of johnson in his rookie year i think that's 
pretty valuable. Like I don't, I don't think we should trade him away just um, to keep Johnson healthy in the long but run. This this might be going a little too far down the line, though. Are you? Would you support the Lions dressing five running backs in a game then, if we're including Nick Ballore? <sighs> mm, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Probably not. Yeah, I but... can't. I can't get into that. Yeah, so then, yeah. so then, who's the odd man out? I mean, it's it's a tough situation there because then you probably got... Ballore, but yeah, and and maybe th- let, let's talk about that really quick because we, we were talking about the return of the fullback all off season. Nick Ballore gets seven snaps in this game. It was that no, I'm sorry, he only gets five snaps in this game, seven percent. So was that all talk for nothing? Are the Lions going to just? you know, go game by game and decide, okay, we want to fullback this game. We don't want to fullback this game. Uh, Does that, I mean, does that just kind of coincide with the Lions are probably running a pretty vanilla version of their offense? I mean, it could be that too. I don't don't know. But basically what we saw on Friday was exactly what we saw last year, which is, yeah, we have a fullback, but we're not really going to use them. Hmm. Let's say we take that as our cue to break here. When we go back to the Wayback Machine, you guys can do that. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wow, we yeah. kind of got sidetracked. Who who depressed you then, Monsoor? Um, Jalen Reeves Maven. So there's a weird contingent of a crossover between like Film Grind Twitter and Detroit Lions Twitter, and we all love Jalen Reeves Maven. All like three of us, and he really wasn't good. He and uh, especially um last year, he's probably our best coverage linebacker when he was actually on the field, and he had a good um he had a pass breakup in the end zone early in the game. But the Raiders just worked him. Um, I believe like one of the Raiders tight ends had like back-to-back catches on him one drive that ended in a Raiders field goal or something. He his main utility is that he's our only good coverage linebacker, and he didn't show that at all. So pretty depressing that he failed us. <laughs> failed, failed all three of you. He he failed failed all three of us. The whole linebacker did not really look all that impressive, um, partially because the the front four wasn't doing their job properly but uh, I mean I think you could even throw not not that Jared Davis did anything particularly disappointing but he just didn't show up in this game which is kind of sad yeah all right now let's take that break let's go to the way back machine because we got to pound out three games in the span of one segment and then we got to get onto the mailbag which has questions about Amir Abdullah and trades and all sorts of reactions to one game of football. So stick around. We'll be right back. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. Tell me what you're going to do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and Scissor. Okay. Maybe 
With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Wayback Machine, for the last time in this year. As we said, we're probably going to make changes to the Wayback format, but people seem to really enjoy going back and looking through a season that was. Because in, in many ways, I, I feel like this sport relies on a lot of, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Not ins- amnesia. It relies on amnesia a lot. It's always looking forward towards the future. It's selling you the hype of what's going to come next. Even before a season's done, people are talking about the draft or a new coach or what this team's going to look like. And it, but it takes, it takes some patience to look back at what just happened and get a feel for what this team is. So we're talking about the close of the 2017 season this week, which closed with a home game against Chicago, 20 to 10, as hashtag we own the Bears rolled along. Um, the backbreaking road game against the Cincinnati Bengals, 27 to 17. And then the season closer at home against Green Bay. 35 to 11 in uh yeah Aaron Rodgers didn't play this game right yeah yeah he was shut down at that point okay just wanted to make sure where is the starting point I think we should I mean the for in my mind the Bears game is feel good because that's a rivalry game and you want to beat your rivals yeah and it was a nationally televised one of those weird Saturday games and the Lions were wearing their their color rush which some people like I happen to hate, uh, but yeah, the, I think feel good game is definitely the best way to describe this game. Lions pretty much comfortably won this game as as far as comfortable Lions wins go. They won by ten, but they they were winning the entire game. They didn't get off to those slow starts that plagued them in the past three or four weeks. And yeah, Stafford was good. Mitchell Trubisky threw three picks. The running game even did okay. 91 yards, 4.6 a carry. It was a, it was fine. It was a fine game. You know, good Saturday. It was fine. It, it kept, it kept the playoff hopes alive for another in week. A, in a, in a weird kind of like just drinking your own urine out of a jar, looking at maps kind of obsessive way. But yes, it was alive. <laughs> yeah. And big play slay. Two interceptions on Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky is a, is a great way to spend your Saturday. Okay. In two words, what would you say is the big takeaway from the Bears before we get into the rest of it? They suck. <laughs> Bears suck. I like that. I I would need I would need three words. Go ahead. We own them. But I mean, as far as the Lions, like what what's what's the big takeaway about what we learned from the Lions against Bears? Or did we learn nothing when they beat off on the Bears, other than they they own the Bears? Basically, Marvin Jones. Yeah, Marvin had that crazy catch, but yeah. basically nothing. I mean, the Bears weren't they played the Bears played terribly. Like I don't think the Lions really had to play that well to beat them. Yeah. They looked really, really bad. Yeah. So yeah. I I don't think I don't think it told us like like Monster says, you know, it, it didn't really tell us a whole lot about the Lions. It just kind of illuminated the fact that the Bears were not a good team last year. I guess it reminded Lions fans that the Lions weren't like bottom of the barrel. Like they may have been really bad down the stretch, but they were still like a an okay team. We like, learned that this next week, though. Go on. I'm saying next week we learn we are bottom of the barrel. You well, think so? Let's, let's talk about this right now. Cincinnati 27, 
Detroit Lions 17 and probably the ugliest game. I, I, there was a lot of bad, ugly stinkers in this season, but the Cincinnati game was just uh, wholly depressing. No TJ Lang. No, no t- Rick Wagner. Insert Don Barclay. <laughs> Jesus. Export. That was your two words, right? Don Barclay? Don Barclay. Why are there your two words? What does Don Barclay represent in the mind of Ryan Matthews, the rock god? If there was, I talked about how the the Bears game at the end of that game, there was some like glimmer of hope for the Lions still at that point in their season. When the Lions, when their backs were against the wall, and it was like it was Matthew Stafford time. Hell no, it was Don Barclay's time to false start, <laughs> get another penalty on the same drive, and completely crush any hopes that the Lions had at at making a comeback in that game. And then he was just overall bad the rest of the game. Uh, I yeah, remember, I don't, go ahead, go ahead. There were a few um, like interesting play calling decisions. I remember, um, yeah, maybe a third and eight. I don't know if Stafford checked into it or it was just a straight play call. But like we ran the ball on like a QB draw. We called a lot of weird draws in that game. Stafford, I guess, threw thirty five times. So in the end, he did throw the ball a lot. But there were some interesting play calling choices made in that game that just kind of hindered us. Who was your receiving yards leader in this game? Does anyone know? Yep, I have the box score in front of me, so I know. But I, I don't, I don't have the box score in front of me, so I'd like to play this game. Go ahead. I'm assuming it might be the guy who had a touchdown the week before against the Bears, and um, is it Eric Ebron? You would be right. 83 yards and a touchdown on five receptions. I remember he had that one big catch and run. Yep. Yeah. I believe it wasn't the touchdown kind of a big downfield pass. Yeah, it was a 33-yard touchdown. It was that, yeah, it was that 33-yard long for the day. Yeah. I think he did the Naruto celebration. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the anime run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he looked okay. He had a couple of big catches in the day. and But most of this game, Matthew Stafford was shut down. I mean, 35 passes for just 203 yards, uh, 5.8. Not very good. That's actually the same mark that Andy Dalton had in this game. But the offense just was not rolling in this game. And the defense, again, was having trouble stopping the run. And that's a really good way to lose a game. And since he was not a good team, they were 6-8 and going into this this game. And they're not a horrible team, but they're they're not – good enough and they didn't really play a good enough game that they should have beaten the Lions in this game but the Lions just had nothing left in them I don't I know think, what it was, I think it was, it was always ugly. kind of a, I think it was always kind of assumed Cincinnati had kind of a like not not top defense but upper par, upper half of the league defense sure if you would say that and just a really bad quarterback so I, yeah like I, I don't know I if the Lions are getting dismantled by the Cincinnati defense though that's kind of a problem there sure and then there's there's also the controversy because, I mean, this game would have turned people against Caldwell permanently anyways, but then in the Lions' potential game-tying or game-winning drive, there's that big pass to Golden Tate that the, that the refs call incomplete. Replay was kind of inconclusive, but everyone thought that they should have at least challenged it. He doesn't get the flag out in time. Season's over. Yeah, I mean, it was a nail in his coffin. I had an article up on Pride of Detroit, I think, within like an hour. (laughs) 
Yeah, there were several calls for the for the uh, demise of Jim Caldwell. I think is this the last one, or did he call like did he have a ten men on the field for uh, for the Packers game to close out? I think the Packers game was pretty clean. Yeah. Well, let's stick on Bengals then for a little bit. Anything else we want to talk about from this game? <laughs> no, I don't want no. to think about this game ever again. Christmas Eve. Well, everyone, hey, let's talk. I was so hyped because everything else that was happening in the league, like right by the time the fourth quarter was happening, was kind of falling in the Lions' favor. Like the Falcons were losing. And, you know, just like the whole playoff picture looked like it was headed in the right direction as long as the Lions could pull it out. And then, like, everything collapsed at the end. I think if, if everything had stayed the same and the Lions had won this game, they still wouldn't have made the playoffs. But at the time, there was just like this – big crescendo of optimism it's like all right the lines are going to get out of this funk they always do once they do playoffs baby and then it all crashed christmas Eve. yeah no i mean granted okay so this is a great way to segue into green bay before i do we talked about Tion green last way back machine as the specter haunting the uh the staff as the slappies got behind their guy rushing leader in the bengals game Tion green seven carries or 43 yards and a touchdown yeah, but the, the the week before though, not not quite as good. I think he had three yards to carry or something. In the, I mean, in the Bears game, yeah. In the Bears game, yeah. I mean, this is midst like Amir Abdullah no, too, right? Ten carries for thirty-five yards. So yeah, under under four under four, but he was getting workhorse kind of carries in that game. Sure, but the Arik outgained him on eight carries. Yeah. So. I mean, whatever. This is just like something for Lions fans to argue about at this time because I think everyone could see the writing on the wall by now. The, the playoffs weren't happening. So let's all latch on to Tion Green for 2018, baby. There was also that group celebrating because they thought, like, we should lose for draft picks or something. So they were really happy. Right. Yeah. Well, that brings up all the theoretical stuff comes up here. And I mean, granted, last last week we were talking about people rooting for Minnesota to beat uh, Carolina or something as well. Like this, this is the this was the time of year where the entire fandom's going jiffy pop. To that end, though, I do want to move on to Green Bay. And I would ask. So let's say the Lions did win that Bengals game. Does Aaron Rodgers play on New Year's Eve? No. Why would that change them? They shut him down because of his. Uh, he had a really bad game against Carolina because he was still struggling with the collarbone yeah. injury. Okay, fair enough. You think they would bring Aaron Rodgers in just to try to spoil the Lions? Yes. No, they wouldn't. Those bastards. Aaron yes. Rodgers. They would risk Aaron Rodgers just to spoil the Lions. Yes. I don't think the Packers care about us that much. Like I don't want to sound like a downer in the fan base, but <laughs> but you're right. I don't, I don't think we're worth that. <laughs> I think they hate the Vikings a lot more. Not that a Lions would, would do anything to hurt the Vikings there, but. Well, 35 to 11, Green Bay at Detroit to close out the year. And what felt like, it's always good to beat the Packers, but this just kind of felt like, whatever, I don't care. Season's over. Caldwell's probably out the door. It definitely had an exhibition feeling to it. But one kind of like neat thing about the season was like, we bookended each each side of the season with Kenny Galladay hype because he had a 54 yard touchdown, I think in this game after like a nasty stiff arm. And they obviously had the first game of the season against the Cardinals. That was really exciting. But uh, other than that, like, I don't, I don't know. You want to talk about the, the two point conversion? (laughs) 
What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Deion Green's again your rushing leader with only 21 yards, but hey, he's on there. Uh, on nine carries. On nine carries. The the running game was awful against this broken and de- de- dejected Green Bay Packers team. Golden Tate, uh, over 100 yards receiving, but yeah, like I think, like I, I, it's funny enough because when we started this season, I think we all circled the Green Bay at Detroit as a game where it's like, this is going to give us the, the heart attacks. This is going to give us the conniption fits because if the lions have a good season, it's going to come down to this. And obviously at that time in the preseason, we weren't expecting Aaron Rodgers to get injured and go out for the entire, you know, for basically the rest of the season at that point. And we weren't expecting the lions to really fall on their face in a few of the games. Cause looking back now on the season, you had two tiers of losses. You had, really close losses where shenanigans happened or the Lions just couldn't close, be it the Atlanta game or the Carolina game or... Uh, Even you know, New Orleans could could be in there. Yeah, I mean, it's wacky as hell. They had a chance to win at the end, even though they probably shouldn't have. Right, right. And and then there's just games where they just get crushed, where they just you, you see the life squeezed out of the Lions slowly. And that's like the Baltimore game, the Thanksgiving game against Minnesota, even though it, I think that ended up as like a one-possession game. Uh, the Bengals game, right. like that, that that's the story of the 2017 Lions. So to look back and think that we were all worried about Green Bay to end the year was kind of funny looking back on it because it just shows you that these seasons just never work out think, the way you think we're going to work out. Because I think we were all expecting like, you know, the Lions would be in contention, not if not for the division, at least for like a wild card spot and would come down against, you know, a Green Bay team with Aaron Rodgers, who's trying to get to another playoff thing. And it'd just be one of those epic showdowns where the Lions have usually been cursed, but at least they've got a fighting chance because they're at home. And uh, it wasn't that. Instead, Packers at Lions just turned into just a, a silent desperation for both teams. Both teams with losing, I mean, the Lions with, I think with nine and seven to close the year, the Packers seven and nine, either, either team could have gone 500. No, I no, I've got my math wrong. Never mind. Point is. No. Yeah. You're right. If the Packers won, they both would have won. Yeah. 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 And if the lions lost, it would have been 500. Right. Yeah. So like just, I, at that point for both, for, for both teams, what should have been an epic climactic battle instead turns into, can the season be over already? Is that was anybody mad about the Lions winning this game when it happened? Because I think it could have swapped basically draft positions with the Packers. Because I oh. think the Packers may have edged out the tiebreaker. Well, actually, know. the tiebreaker still would have gone to the Lions. I know that because if the Lions finished third, they would come to DC, which this season I think, which would have been nice. But wow. I was really happy the Lions won because that meant first back-to-back winning seasons of my life and first sweep over the Packers in my life. So it was nice to get those out of the way. Okay, I, I'll buy that. I mean, I I'm not one to dwell on draft position because drafts a crapshoot anyway. So four spots, I mean, it, it can be a big deal, but it also might not mean anything at all. But uh, there were, I think, there were definitely people very loud after this game that didn't yeah. want the Lions to win. Not only because of that, because they were fearful that Jim Caldwell may have saved his job, especially with the fun plays at the end with a Philly special. Oh, the Philly special. That was always, that was great. I love that. Forgot that happened this game. We should have talked about that more, but no, I mean, like did, when I said uh, the two point conversion, like, two <laughs> well, 
you said a two point conversion. I didn't know what you were talking about then because it started to get hot in here without my AC. So, but I think I, the Caldwell thing is is a fascinating thing to think about. Did any of us? I, I'd love to go back. I don't think any of us were saying that Caldwell saved his job with this game, though. No. I think that's something Lions fans invented for themselves. That ship had sailed. I don't know how definitive it was. I, I think mm. I don't think it was clear cut as I, we're remembering. I, I, I think it was pretty. I think it was pretty clear cut from from being in that press conference at the end. You could tell that he was. You could tell that like the writing was on the wall. What was what was kind of your takeaway from that press conference? Uh, you you could just tell that Jim Caldwell was so above like answering questions about it or or even entertaining the thought of of getting into a discussion about like whether or not you know this was the last game he'd coach or. Or things of or things of that nature, but <laughs> like it, 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 just from the mood in the room, and you could tell that I don't know. You there, there's something about, and I'm I'm trying not to prescribe like too much, like you know, hindsight or, or you know, hindsight bias to it or anything, but um, w- without like any like uh, like verbal commitments about like how sure he was of how you know that he would return or um or anything like that, it the Cincinnati game is what is what really did him in for sure. Right. So uh, it, it like the entire game, you know, if, if the lions, if the lions are anywhere near like competing for a playoff spot, like, like if that last game would have mattered, do you think that they run that two point conversion Philly special? Absolutely not. Like it, it, it felt like it felt like, um, Caldwell really kind of took the, the handcuffs off things for this last game and like, was just, you know, letting Jim Bob Cooter kind of do what he wanted to do, and 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 it, the game just felt different. It it did it did have this feel of a send off game, and it's interesting you say the whole handcuff thing. It's like, well, why were the handcuffs on to begin with? Why because that's Jim Caldwell. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which is why the, I never really like watch handcuffs. Wrist watch I'll, handcuffs. I'll I'll go ahead and say this: like he had kind of won me over a little bit last year by by like his whole. If you go by his whole resume, there was part of me was like, just give him one more year. Just give him, him and Bob Quinn. Let Bob Quinn get this roster to a better place. Because I don't think the roster was good enough to be a good playoff team last year. I really don't. And part of me was just like, give me give me one more year with Caldo. Which was su- surprising even for me to like hear myself say that. Because from day one, I was not into Caldwell for all these reasons we're just talking about handcuffs the team. He's too conservative. doesn't go for it enough. Um, but there was part of me that just, I just wanted one more year. And I'm, it, it was at this point where I was like, I'm fine either way, but I was, I don't know. I, I, I guess, I guess I just don't feel strongly that either way at this point in the off season, but I, I just wasn't amongst the group that was off with his head. Can I be honest? I did not get a feel on this on the Packers game, the the finale of the season game, as a taking the handcuffs off type of game, as much as I did a I'm going to steal every stapler from the storage room before I'm on my way out kind of game. Maybe, maybe that's me. <laughs> anyway, we should get on to the mailbag. What do you guys say? Let's do it. This the season is. The last, the last time, time this season is complete. We are done. We are not talking about 2017 ever again until we do Wayback Classic. So, <laughs> glad that was the last time we're riding in that thing because it was running out of juice.
Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. Use the hashtag on Twitter. We will find them there. Uh, Mansoor has now made it through an entire POD cast with us. How are you feeling? Pretty good. This is usually yeah. my favorite part. So the part where I come up. <laughs> yeah. Do you, I, didn't, I didn't see any of your questions throwing in. So you're not asking yourself anything. That's I, I should have. I should have. That's a good idea. I'll do it now. <laughs> and how do you do that, Chris? By using the hashtag AskPOD on Twitter. I will look for it there. You might want to tag in at Pride of Detroit. Helps us out. Otherwise, if you go on to the website at prideofdetroit.com, not now, but probably later in the week when we're podcasting, you should be reading the site every day. Look for a, thre- a, a post called AskPOD, usually written by Jeremy, and we will get you involved. You can post your question there or again on Twitter. No Facebook. Jeremy, do we have any reviews? We don't. And I'm not going to threaten wrestling talk, but I'm not going to not threaten wrestling talk. Every time, man. SummerSlam's coming up. No. (laughs) (sighs) It's coming up Sunday, baby. Yeah, man, I'm gonna have to. F- I I haven't watched wrestling in a long time now. I've been kind of up and down this summer, but we'll talk about it if we don't get reviews. To the questions. First off, we'll start with Blake Barry with a classic question for us: Are you guys as paranoid about the going four and zero in the preseason curse as I am? Because I'm glad the Lions lost. <laughs> I don't. I don't care if the Lions win lose or tie in the preseason. I just don't want their defensive line to look the way that it looked or their front seven for that matter. I guess there's no curse. Enough teams have gone four and in preseason and then won a game in the regular yeah. season that it's, it, you can't call it a curse. <laughs> it is pretty interesting though, that the only two Oh and 16 teams both went four and out. Yeah. I think that's enough to say curse. Or at least like, or at least, or at least maybe like a hex or something. But we will win one game this season at minimum, so I'm excited. Bold predictions for Monster. <laughs> Bold. Next question is from Kenny the God. What has been the most friendly and the most hostile crowd you've experienced at a Lions away game? Ooh, this is perfect for me. This is Jeremy's thing, because Jeremy's the one who has the money to do, like, road trips and stuff. <laughs> money, okay. Uh, let me let me just go through all of the places I've been so that you have a, a general thing of reference. Away games I've been to is Minnesota, Oakland, San Diego, which doesn't exist now, uh, Seattle, Miami, Tampa Bay, and I think I'm forgetting one, San Francisco. Did I say San Francisco? Whatever, San Francisco. Most hostile, San Francisco, oddly. Not Oakland. Mm. I, I had seats in the black hole and got out pretty pretty nice. San well, Francisco guys were ridiculous and all over us the entire game. And I'm pretty sure the game that I went to was like a 2-7 and seven versus 3-6 and six game. So there's no reason why people are so 
I guess maybe they're they're just letting out their frustrations, but whatever. No, I mean they're San Francisco sports fans. Like that's kind of always been the stereotype. I mean, I, I'm I'm just getting it reinforced because I've been living in LA. But like Giants fans, 49ers fans, they both belong to a special, very aggressive breed of California people. Yeah, I guess that's that's probably true. Uh, I would say nicest fans by far was Minnesota. And it's bizarre because not only did the Lions win that game, it was last year. Uh, they, you know, it was a huge game for them and a huge game for Minnesota. And they were just like all so friendly and it was weird. They were congratulating us. I'm like, that's not what you're supposed to do. I'm glad that you're doing it. But like the, the thing is like, you have to try to be a gracious guest where you're not being a dick. You're not like turning to fans after every play and getting in their face. And I'm pretty good at that most of the time. That game was so big, though, that I doubt I was able to control myself as much as I should have. And so the fact that Minnesota fans were so nice despite that uh, says a lot about Vikings fans. I I like Vikings fans. Minnesotans are like half Canadian, though. (laughs) Can't trust them either. All right. Next question I have here is from... Jason Benanti, with the flashes we saw, can we package Amir Abdullah and get some help on the D-line? I think we kind of touched on this a little earlier, so what do you guys think? I think rarely do you see player-for-player swaps, especially yeah. especially at this juncture of the season. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong, but uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of too many that happen. Um, and and plus, like Amir's trade value is probably the highest it's going to get, but I don't think it's a start. It's like it's not a starter. Whether like it's the I highest think, it's going to get, but it's still not good. Yeah, if if you're going to get a player in return for Amir Abdullah, it's going to be a fringe fifty three guy. It's going to be a guy in the bubble. It's going to be, you know, like you're going to get a Sylvester Williams level type of player. Probably not even that good. If we're being honest, it's probably well, more like a Jonathan Freeney. Was Sylvester Williams very good though? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I mean, we'll get a, maybe a bit above Sylvester Williams level player, but Sylvester Williams isn't very good. There's really no defensive tackle I can think of that we can trade for that I could think would be realistically on the trade market that that you would want, right? That I, yeah, that I want. Like more bad players doesn't help. Yeah, well, that's that's been kind of this. That's been kind of the whole. <laughs> the motive of the bottom of the roster in the Bob Quinn era is bad players won't help, but just keep churning them. (laughs) Next question from Harrington HOF, which blocking scheme do you think is best suited for our O-line right now? Zone man or hybrid? Last year they did a lot of zone blocking and I think the offensive line coach was just really bad at drawing plays. Uh, well, but um, it was Ron Prince that that makes sense. Yeah. So with the new, I mean, I guess zone. Just in general, I feel like in the NFL, zone blocking is a lot more effective. I don't know if that's a line specific thing or just in the NFL, I like zone blocking more. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if there's necessarily one scheme that like fits the personnel of, you know, lines, bigger offensive line than it has been in the past. You could argue that that man blocking is better power blocking, whatever you want to call it. But I don't know. I think you're going to see a lot of mixture. I think that's 
I mean, just going along with all things we say about Patricia, that we're going to see something different every week. And the Lions offensive line coach, Jeff Davidson, has a foot in both doors. He's he's run schemes from both. So I, I guess I would say a hybrid because you want to keep the, the defense, you know, off their toes. But it could just be we see one week, one one week, we see the other the next week. And I don't think there's necessarily benefits or drawbacks of one specific system over the other, given our personnel. Next question from Lions fan to placed in Las Vegas. He wants to know about Deshaun Hand. I know it's only one preseason game, but with how poorly our D linemen looked, could you see Hand starting week one? I don't know about starting week one. I don't even, I don't even think it really matters. I don't think the starting designation even really matters. Not with this Lions defense, no. I, I think if he's if he's if he's receiving like a significant like amount of the the snaps if he's getting like a percentage of snaps that's like north of like i don't know what do you guys think like 35 40 percent then i think that would be like i think that'd be huge yeah i wouldn't expect him to get more than i i actually expect him to be right around 30 35 percent pretty much all season i mean i even said earlier in the podcast i don't think he should be starting this year Right. Uh, and by huge, I meant huge surprise, but yeah. Right. But, you know, injuries happen. Maybe the Lions get as sick of Sylvester Williams as Monsoor is, but we'll see. I don't know. I, I don't think week one is, is way too high of expectations for Deshaun Hand. He was a very raw player at Alabama. So I think this season, I mean, it's good if he's part of the rotation, but yeah, he's not going to be. If he's our best defensive lineman, we're in huge trouble. Like more trouble than I think we are. So yeah. And it's still a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we're in a lot of trouble. But if he's our best defensive lineman, or like if he's getting starting designations, then we're in a lot more trouble than I think. And I think that was that was kind of the that was kind of like the overall like career arc of Deshaun Hand at Alabama too, right, Monster? Like he was he was this five star like top recruit coming out of high school. Um, goes to Alabama never really like never really fulfills his potential there Um, but I I think it's interesting that you know if he's a really raw player now he's coming kind of full circle back to like having you know Bo Davis on the defensive line somebody who you know knew him from his time in Alabama and I I think a lot of the, the technique stuff that you know if they can work on that year one and year two and maybe that's the reason why they're so willing to move up to grab him in the fourth round you know um He's a player. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that I think is truly like a Bob Quinn guy. Like when he talks about players in like year two and year three, like making those evaluations of them, like you can't be too quick to judge them after year one, like look at T's Tabor. So um, I think he really projects as like a year two, year three guy. Yeah. He was like the number one recruit in the country just because he has like the perfect like body and athleticism to play defensive end at, at the NFL level, but yeah, it never really worked for him in Alabama. And I mean, with NFL coaching, I hope he'll get it all together and contribute, but it'll be amazing if it's this year. Oh, yeah. Agreed. All right. Next question here is from N.E. Shaw, who wants to know, which serial mascot should the Lions sign to replace backup quarterbacks Castle and Rudolph? (laughs) He puts his money on the frog from Honey Smacks. (laughs) (laughs) He seems small. I mean, I'm not knocking small quarterbacks because I love Russell Wilson, but seems a little small. I think they, I think they are are all small. 
that's kind of the problem. Like the captain, the leprechaun, they're both pretty small guys. Tony the Tiger, baby. He's already in the cat uniform. We got this. He's pretty fucking big. Yep. I think it looks like Ben Roethlisberger. Toucan Sam? Yeah, Toucan Sam. What's he uh, got? Is there a reason? Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) He's a bird, and I I like birds. Bird breakdown. I know I know the Lions wouldn't they'd never keep four quarterbacks, but could I get Snap Crackle and Pop? Because are they like a one package deal? What if it's kind of like a four horsemen kind of arrangement? Kind of old school. <laughs> any guy any guy could start on any, any given week, just the guy who gives yeah. that team that week the best chance to win. I'm I'm no, all just up just, just a combined backfield of like quarterbacks and fullbacks and just they, they switch each week, yeah. I yeah, think I think that. there's an air bud type of loophole in the NFL rules that if you get snap crackle and pop to go on each other's shoulders and wear a trench coat, you got <laughs> one person. They need a really really long color rush jersey. <laughs> what, what about a human centipede out of them? Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Now we've officially jumped the rails. A couple of like I think honorable mentions though. What about Count Chocula? It's true. He could only play night games, though. He could only, I mean, he'd be super successful in them. But then also, my uh, my other one was kind of uh, eerie too. But uh, what about booberry? Did you guys ever eat booberries? I did eat booberry. What about what was what was the strawberry one? Frankenberry? Yeah, that guy's literally Frankenstein, <laughs> aka Paxton Lynch. Ah. <laughs> uh. What do we, does does the Quaker does the oatmeal Quaker does the Quaker oatmeal Quaker count as a mascot? Pretty I don't think it counts as a cereal. Screw oh. you! Life is great. <laughs> Life is a great cereal. Uh, what about the Cocoa Crisps, crisps bird? You're just all about the birds, huh? <laughs> I don't can think we get anyone who's we, can we get anyone who's on a Wheaties box? Oh. oh. That's, that's a that's, that's a great a nice loophole. loophole. I just found the big loophole here. My God. <laughs> All right. Last question we got here from Mansoor. Who's the most handsome member of this week's podcasting crew? I think it's Mansoor. I think it's like I'm, I'm not even I'm not even gonna I mean normally I am, but this week things have changed. Obviously. <laughs> All right, I lied. I've got one more question here from Elgaraz. What's your opinion on the Weezer plus Weird Al cover of Africa? Jeremy, this is all you, bud. <laughs> I disagree with everything Jeremy's about to say. <laughs> Weird Al makes everything okay. Even a horrible cover by Weezer is made okay by the presence of Weird Al. This is a poofy hair kind of thing, isn't it? Whoa, don't be a poofy hairist, all right? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fried Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>